Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International episode 208. And as you can see by the title on the screen down there, it's the final eight. And as you can see, the arrangement's a bit different. Ben Kimber is over there. G'day, Ben. G'day, Bronk. Very, very nice over here on the left too. Good angle. Yeah, it's very good. I think Cash loved that. He calls it the Barbara Walters angle. Right. The Vaseline on the lens. And we've got the great man over our shoulder. G'day, Cash Cow, live from the uh, northern beaches. I hear you have one of the great rugby stalwarts up there and, uh, and a good friend of ours as well and, and a relation, I guess, of, of the family. Yeah, my father-in-law, boys. Uh, Phil Wilkins is here. He's, uh, he's off to the uh, World Cup tomorrow morning. I'm driving me out, out to the airport and uh, away he goes. Quarter-final, semi-final, third-place playoff and uh, also the final. So... One of the great rugby writers, Phil Wilkins, is here. And uh, as I said, my father-in-law, great to have him on board. We've, uh, we've had a couple of reds uh, before the program. Be but, uh, we're, we're breaking away from, uh, from dinner and, uh, and having a chat about rugby. How good is that? Oh, it's fantastic, mate. We appreciate all the effort you're going through and sacrificing that couple of minutes. You won't, the half an hour, you won't have the red anyway. So Nice for our viewers who think he's home. Was it actually see he's home yeah, now, yeah, Rob? Yeah, yeah, but he didn't dress up, did he? <laughs> no. Look at him. Unbelievable. That's where the Cash Cow Enterprises is uh, taking place. So, gentlemen, we're down to the final eight, as we said, quarterfinals. So, South Africa against Wales, New Zealand, France. Oh, they're going to love that. <laughs> and, of course, uh, Ireland uh, getting through after uh, beating France and getting through their uh, quarterfinal against Argentina and Australia. We'll take on Scotland in the final quarterfinal. I'll start with you because you're here. It would be rude to go up to the screen. Um, the quarterfinals, what do you think? Mate, shaping up nicely. I think uh, not just the teams probably that we expected to be there in a lot of ways, but the way that you can see teams coming into it. And, you know, being an old journo, you like to see the storylines and things that you can follow. You can see that the teams that have had really big, long, hard runs in the, in the group stages, are they battle-hardened? Is that going to be what makes a difference for them? Mm. New Zealand, do they have the slight wobbles when they hit France, their traditional, you know, World Cup rival? I like the way the games are shaping up, and I'm really excited about them. Yeah, Casho... Uh... I indicated, let's start with the New Zealanders. Their worst dreams have come true. The French, they're playing them. The team they played in the last final, that very, as Ben said in previous shows, uh, and I think we've indicated too, France should have won the World Cup final. Whether they were the best team in the world for the previous no. years didn't matter. But um, I guess in many ways, it's the worst possible outcome for, for New Zealand to meet France in the quarterfinals. That, that boys, that was the one it was always destined to be, and I think uh, I think this New Zealand side has grown considerably since uh, since that particular time. So uh, they're a pretty fragile side in uh, in two thousand and seven. We, you know, like they're yet to be tested, and I think France will give them a good go. So, uh, but for me, throughout the uh, the quarterfinals, I think it probably fall in place pretty much as. A lot of people have predicted, but the 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 team of the tournament really, despite who wins it, I think it's going to be Japan. I think uh, in many ways, I think Japan getting getting through, winning three of the four games, the only three or four they build and not not make through to the uh, the quarterfinals. So uh, a bit a bit tragic on that on that front, but in many ways, I think in in some ways, and I was talking to some people involved with the Suns today, and. Uh, they, in, in some ways, 
if this sort of keeps the bread alive, it's, it's a positive note rather than going through the finals and maybe getting pumped big time by the Wallabies. But uh, I, I think the eight teams that are there probably are probably uh, the, the best eight teams at, uh, at the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll talk about how Japan sort of feel, we feel like they got ripped off just because of the draw. Uh, and I'll, I'll say what probably should have happened for them to get through to the quarterfinals. But uh, Ben, what do you think? New Zealand, France? This is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this game. This is a game all about the mental state of rugby, the mental state of a team. Uh, I saw Timmy Horan tweet this the other day and I absolutely agree. After watching France lose to Ireland, having seen the way that they're travelling, having seen the firepower that New Zealand has, New Zealand should win by 20. They really should win that game by 20. It should not be a close match. But the history and the way these teams think, it's going to put it on the line. And you hope that it turns into a real ding-dong battle. Um, The French... Uh, they're one of those teams who live up to the old cliches, you know, that they that they are a team that uh, has no real game plan, plays through the heart, but can turn it on and become an amazing rugby force for games that they just get up for. And for some reason, New Zealand gets the French blood flowing, and I can see it happening in this one. I really think New Zealand by 20, but I love it that anything could happen. Yeah, I, I think so. It's just cash game. Just voice, really, isn't it? Because... Uh, because uh... New Zealand can. Let's just jump. Let's interrupt him. Uh, is that the ben? red wine or the yeah, yeah, rugby? Yeah. Yeah. They have yeah, sorry, mate. Keep going. Uh, but uh, they can play the red game, which they did against us. Yeah. In Auckland. Yeah. I think Cash Cow just upgraded the 56k mil yeah. killer white motor, yeah. didn't he? Are you, who are you with, Telstra? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we both are. Oh dear, I think we are. <laughs> Thank you. The NBN is working beautifully. Um, so sorry to everyone else overseas. Uh, we'll wait till you come back uh, a bit less pixelated. Uh, but the other quarterfinal, of course, is uh, the next one is Ireland v Argentina. I sent Kissy a text and uh, said, "Yeah, well done. Uh, first phase is over." and he said that, uh, I won't say how we interact with each other, but uh, it's not actually for this platform. But uh, what I will say is that, you know, he, his first comment was the Aussies have been awesome uh, yeah. and uh, that the Argies are going to be tough. So, And given, you know, a few injury scares and, and the tra- tragic loss of their warrior and poor, Paul O'Connell, um, devastating for Ireland. So a little bit of test for them. And, you know, they would have absolutely freaked out if Johnny Sexton couldn't make it through the rest of the tournament. Yeah, Johnny Sexton going off, followed by their open side, followed by Paul Conlon. I don't know if they're in that order. Um, you could really would have felt the, the tightening up in the coach's box. Uh, Ireland, though, um, you, you probably look at one of those teams that perhaps can weather some of those injuries a bit better than others because they look so well drilled. Mm. They look like a squad when they play. I thought that when, uh, when Sexton went out and Madigan came on, he brought uh, a fair bit to their game. Had a couple of errors, but really sparked it and gave them a little bit more. I thought that the replacement uh, was Henshaw, no, Henderson, I think the replacement second rower, um, brought something to the game. O'Connell would be a big, big, big loss, though. Yeah, and Sean O'Brien as well. Cash, uh, you're back. Look at you. Well, you can talk now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, uh, I was uh, waiting for the cue, boys, but, uh, yeah, like... Uh, the, the, the loss of O'Connell is significant. Uh, I did like some of the play that the uh, the young 5'8 that came on, Madigan, uh, did in in the place of uh, of Sexton. So listen, there, uh, you know, as you said, it's all been about a squad with Ireland, and 
and they are bringing sort of people through because uh, they do know that there is life after this uh, Rugby World Cup. There's a Six Nations just just around the corner. So uh, yeah, it's uh, you know they, they they have the they have the troops, they have the cattle to get through this what will be a very testing uh, quarter final against uh, Argentina, who have looked very good at, uh, at different times in this tournament. Yeah, but the other thing they've got is a very smart coaching team. I was saying to a couple of my Kiwi friends at uh, Channel 7 that uh, you blokes have done nothing yet. You sort of laboured through <laughs> the uh, World Cup and uh, haven't really um, flexed their muscles as far as I'm concerned. They haven't really played any anyone of any uh, of note, I, I feel, anyway. But I think the um, the thing is that Ireland, I believe they have the smartest coaching team, and I think they will have stuff up their sleeve. There's no doubt Les Kears has set the standard for defence, and blokes like Nathan Gray learnt his craft from Les Kiss. Every And, you know, for a rugby league winger, he's done an amazing job, isn't he? But the rest of that coaching staff is very, very good. And I think... Ireland have got a lot more to come when it comes to the intellectual side as we head into the World Cup. What do you reckon, Ben? Yeah, look, I think that's right. And, and I watched, you watched that Ireland-France game, and France didn't really seem to have uh, a game plan. Mm. And this, we, we discussed game plans yeah, last that's unusual. week. unusual. <laughs> yeah. You discussed game plans last week and the way different teams approach it. And, I, I don't know, you know, a, a quite an unfair comment about the Wallabies would be they don't have a game plan per se. Like, they don't go out and say, we're going to kick to the corners, etc. They play their game, and they play their, their game mm. very well. Whereas you can see a team like Ireland has really tried to probably deconstruct the opposition. Yeah. Uh, the Ireland went back to some of the things we've seen them from them before. They attacked the ball and tried to keep the ball up very high off the ground uh, against France, and they and they attacked them in a certain way. And you can see they'll shift and move. Mm. Australia, for to a certain extent, will be a known entity. But when they play with the passion and the power that they've got, that's that what makes them uh, most competitive. All right, Kasia, that's your cue. Well, boys, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, uh, I'm sort of throwing forward to the discussion about the Australian-Wales game. And in many respects, I think Sean Edwards took a bit of a, uh, a leaf out of the Les Kiss uh, Auckland 2011 uh, at uh, Eden Park uh, book. And, uh, you know, the hold-up defence, it, uh, it, it saves the, uh, the opposition from, uh, from, from getting a, uh, a, a quick ball from uh, which, which the Wallabies sort of thrive on. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's very much the case. Intellectual property, I think, is there in abundance with with Ireland, and I think that's uh, that's going to at least get them through to a semi final, maybe a semi final against the Wallabies. There could be a trademark infringement here, Cash Cow. There, there could well be. I'm not sure if Les uh, actually patented that uh, <laughs> that particular uh, uh, style of defence, but. Uh, we saw it the Waratahs, I think, Bronk, uh, in your time there. We saw it for with, uh, with Ireland at uh, at Eden Park in 2011, and we saw it with Wales in uh, in, in 2015 at, uh, at Twickenham. So very very effective, and uh, brought the Wallabies back back to the pack to a certain extent. All right, ben, so what about Argentina? You know, at uh, in 2007 they really uh, shook up the comp. Sort of suited them though, because that was the worst World Cup of all time. It was pretty ordinary. So what can they do this weekend? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't. I think I don't, I don't feel like Argentina have moved enough to be a genuine mm. contender. They've always been on that fringe there. They've always been a team that you think one day might get there. They good elements to their game. I don't think we've seen a complete enough game for to see them move ahead too far. Uh, the, the World Cup is shaping up like the, the like the powers. Unless France can, France can shake New Zealand, it's going to be the the Southern Hemisphere and either Ireland or Wales maybe stepping up the way it shapes up at the moment. Yeah, but you just got to be careful. I mean, a slip up against Argentina just say it's a really it's wet. And it's tight, and it's a kick out, a kick off 
that's when Argentina can be really lethal. Yeah, they do. They do love a good tight game, yeah. and they've got the forwards to really to keep it exactly. tight and to stick it in that area. The kicking game's not too bad too. So anything could happen. True, but you've got to stick with the favourites. Yeah, but what I like, Casho, is that the Ireland's forwards have really come on, haven't they? they? They've muscled up in recent times, and I think that's really been the key. I think to their success recently, they've really out. Um, Outperformed. I don't want to say that they've played above their weight, but they've really impressed the last two years. So, well, the physicality that they're bringing yeah, to, uh, to to this particular part of the game, uh, you know, you've got to be physical, and this this, this is what uh, what uh, all the teams are, uh, are, are finding. If, if you're not physical, if you're not winning that breakdown, you're just not not in these uh, in these test matches. And, and and they're building through it sort of quite nicely, I think. Uh, and, uh, looking... Yep, agreed, Cash Cow, as he goes off. Thank you, MGM. He's just hanging again. <laughs> um, so we might... Uh, we actually... I rushed to New Zealand, but let's go back to the first quarterfinal, uh, and that's uh, Russia... South, and Cash has just disappeared for a while. He'll come back in a second. Um, this will be going on all night. <laughs> Russia and Wales, Russia, Republic of South Africa uh, against Wales. Uh, this is going to be a great, fascinating game, isn't it? It is. It is. Wales have consistently found a way to be competitive. They've been beaten and battered from pillar to post right through the start, before the tournament. They've come through. They put in a fantastic effort against the Wallabies, and, un- and unfortunately, you know, for them, uh, didn't didn't get the points. But I tell you what, South Africa uh, and Wales, a, a clash like that, a tight physical game, I think that's going to be a, a, a belter. I think South Africa, um, one of the points that keeps being made on the broadcast from a few of the, for the broadcasters is, is how uh, no team has won the World Cup with ever dropping a game. I, I don't really see that as a factor now. No. I mean, after losing to Japan, I think that's, the, that's, that's not quite the kind of losing to uh, another team. That's more about... Uh, sorry, another another power. That's why we're getting a kick up the backside when they needed it, and I think they're they're coming in, in very good shape. I think it's a big, big ask for Wales, um, having gone through what they've gone through. Um, but I think it'll be a tight game. Yeah, Casho. Uh, Wales have been, you know, Wales have actually been the centre of all the pump, pumping and scintillating games, haven't they? And it looks like they're going to be in front of another one. Yeah. And, you know, very much that, and, and I, I, I do agree with Ben here in, in saying that uh, that South Africa actually worked their way well into the tournament after that uh, that uh, that hiccup at, at the it start against um, against <laughs> a, a planned strategy, perhaps not. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. When you, when you, never made more Uh, I think Wales are really going to be pushing up against it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. But I'll deconstruct. You know what? They'll, come, they'll come up with a, uh, with a really good game plan. But the, you know what, Ben? I think uh, we keep... I think everyone waiting for Wales to really fall to bits, but they just—they're not doing that. Yeah, and I, and that—that's the danger. I think that Checker clearly wouldn't have bought into that and, and kept the Wallabies well prepared. But um, when you looked at those games, you kept thinking, "Well, Wales—they've got something's got to give with the amount that they've gone through." Um, but we, we we talked before about culture versus game plans. Well, maybe it's forging something—that real belief in each other. Maybe that's bringing something to life in the team. Mm. Having to face that adversity means they're driving into each game with a really strong, strong, sharp focus. All right, so I think we're probably tipping South Africa to win that uh, quarterfinal. Uh, New Zealand, the other one, and Ireland, the other. So the uh, final one, and it's uh, Australia v Scotland. Uh, Cash, I might give you first shot at this. Let's see if <laughs> let's see if your bits and bites are actually working. Um, it's not a good sign as I look over my shoulder. But Australia and Scotland, what do you think? Doesn't think much at all. Okay, so Ben Kimbo, I'll go straight to you. Get off that fence, Casher. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes again. So um, this is the best show he's ever had, Casher. Yeah, he's he's never made more right. sense. So uh, Ben, uh, this is one Australia should win, but you never ever discount the Bravehearts. I mean, they're just so yeah. they're really awkward to play, and uh, I think uh, Australia has to be careful. And that's why this is a danger game. Um, getting up for the pool of death, two massive games in a row. I mean, I, I even had some of my mates saying to me, oh, surely we'll rest players. And like, rest players for a quarterfinal would be the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. It's a knockout World Cup. Did you he slap was, them around, mate? Oh, he was over the phone. I would have slapped him <laughs> if he was close. But, but I even saw a bit of that speculation. Not speculation, but I saw a couple of rubbish stories in the press about, you know, I oh, know the Wallabies are thinking about keeping the, everyone in the, in the game. They won't rest anyone. It's, well, why, why on earth would you? Two out of three of the last, we've lost to Scotland. Mm. Um, Scotland have beaten us. Uh, the Scots have not the you know not a world champion team, but they have a, they have a, a good solid side that can cause trouble. They're, they've been the dark horse, you know, in a few different games mm. here and there. And I think they scored a few impressive points against uh, Samoa that, that showed that they can they can move the ball too. Yeah, and and it's this is a sort of environment that the Scots love. You know, it's the desperation of a of a of a playoff like this, and when there's just no tomorrow and. As you've said, like the scraps, like the scrap in Newcastle yeah. um, a few years ago, that uh, just showed Australia that if they do take the Scottish lightly, and you know, what if the weather turns bad? Look yeah. out! And it's a, it's a challenge for Checker again, you know, getting the team up for those big games. Now keeping them up for a game like mm. Scotland, um, that, particularly as I think Checker um, goes keeps proving people wrong. He proved me wrong uh, last week in that I thought if it's a tight penalty fest that the, the Wales game they would win it because you know the penalty, yeah. the penalty kicking that they've got um, uh, over ours the accuracy I thought that would be a problem for us and I thought we would have to score a few tries to win it it turned into an absolute slugfest and the Wallabies came out on top so yeah. now Checker's got a new challenge up against Scotland to get the team back up for that one alright let's talk about a Casho as you rejoin us <laughs> you're just chipping in and out here this is fantastic uh, but Casho keep up um Everyone's raving about that defensive performance by the Australians, which also gives Wales credit because they kept coming at Australia. So they had a plenty, plenty to do. Uh, down to, um, uh, what, 13 men uh, after losing two players to the sin bin at the same time. Uh, how did you rate it, Casho? Well, it was obviously one, one of the great Wallaby performances over the last 30 or 40 years, to be sort of perfectly honest. But... Uh, one has got to ask for the 14 minutes that the Wallabies were under manned, why did Wales keep trying to bash through through the middle of the uh, 
the uh, the Wallaby defensive 100%. line. Why, I couldn't believe what they were why, doing. Why did they not? Why did they not uh, try to play the numbers game? Draw a few people in, keep spreading it wide, keep coming around the corner. It's a simple game, rugby, and you, you've just got to uh, you've just got to exhaust the numbers on the outside. And I, I think if they kept coming around that outside and kept stretching the Wallabies, that uh, that trial line would 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 have been. Uh, would have been breached by Wales at uh, at one particular time uh, during during that forty minutes when when Australia were down first to fourteen men and then and and then to thirty men. So uh, a bit of a bit of a tactical glitch there, I think, by the uh, by the Wales on field management. But uh, listen, it's it's the thing of uh, dreams, really, and it, it's it's the making of a team to be perfect. For the scrum goes so well. The scrum is now a weapon, and I, I think that's being acknowledged. And uh, you know, we're going to be refereed in a different matter from here on in. So that can only be good. Yeah, absolutely. So you, what do you reckon, Ben? Like, uh, I couldn't believe Wales were just battering it up, and it all. I think the the old move just called hands. Hands, yeah. and, and they would have had an overlap. They, they, they did worryingly seem a little bit bereft of leadership right in that. They, mm. they, they clearly panicked. Um, the one time they looked like they were about to go wide was when Ashley Cooper shut it down at the, the last piece, and I think it was at Beale who got his hands on the ball yeah. and the penalty came Australia's way. But you're dead right. It was, it was one off the ruck, maybe two off the ruck, try to, try to smash their way through, and, uh, and the Wallabies' commitment was, was excellent. Um, the 13 men, though, one thing I did want to ask you, boys, was was Dean Mum's yellow card. Did that seem very harsh to you? I, I heard someone maybe mention it was repeated infringement, but I don't recall him being talked to about touching the player in the air. And it looked like a little bit of a tickle to me. It didn't look like well, anything too serious. It was definitely a penalty. There's no doubt about that. He can't do that to a man in the air. But I, I don't know if it was like a team, you know, too many infringements by the team. Yeah. Um, it's the Joubert effect, isn't yeah. it, I, I Yeah, and... Uh, but, gee, it set a great defensive standard, didn't it, for Australia. You know what? It sent a warning for the rest of the comp. Yeah. And, that, and I think they sent a, they've sent a warning with the scrum. Oh, holy cow, they can actually scrum yeah. and they can tackle. The yeah. desperation. Like some of the stuff, even Bernard Foley, some of the stuff he did to bring down some of the bigger Welsh backs. They're big boys, uh, Welsh backs. And even if he didn't put the big hit on, he put enough to disrupt them. And then it was someone else to clean up. And the experience... You know, we, we've got the experienced lad at the back here, Cash Cow, but someone like Adam Ashley Cooper, you know, we're all big fans of him, you know, because yeah. he's a decent sort of bloke. And uh, it's it's his sort of experience that will absolutely count, and it counted the other day for Australia as they head into these elimination rounds. And that's that, that's that point I was making before around the way that these teams hit the quarters. Now, New Zealand should absolutely have too much class for France, mm. but whether they're in the kind of shape that, say, South Africa and the Wallabies are now at this stage of the tournament with a couple of games to go, or whether they might need a couple of grinders in the quarters and the semis to feel like they can they can peak at the right time in that final remains to be seen. What do you say, Cash Cow? Ron, you, you mentioned uh, Bernard Foley there, and uh, listen, he has really stepped up big time, really. You, there are numerous doubters out there about... Uh, about oh, out there? There's about, one right here. ...about him being a... Um, about him being a being a world a test class uh, fly half. I'm but, sitting right you know, here. One, one of them was a very good friend of ours, Greg Groudon, who uh, who who didn't think he, he thought he was a, a very good super rugby player. But he listened in these last two games, and and Greg has actually mentioned this uh, in his in his in his uh, scribblings for the ESPN Scrum website, and uh, that he's uh, he's really sort of stepped up and absolutely surprised him. You know that tackle he made on George North uh, out wide was. 
was, you know, nine out of ten fly halves would have just gone, oh, I'll see you later. I'm, I'm, I'm not putting my body on the line. But he put his body on the line. He got in the way. And Big Dog McCowman got 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 under him and uh, and saved the match. What a what a crucial play! What 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 a player he's! Uh, what he got five out of six, I think, that night, and uh, is is kicking very very confident and uh, could well be uh, a, a World Cup winner by the end of all this. Well, as long as if Ben or Greg had listened to me, they'll be sweet. <laughs> Mate, I've always said, let's just keep it up. Uh, I've always uh, said, keep it up. Uh, he's done all right. He's, he's done all right. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Kasha, there was no stopping him. Once he got a roll on, his pixels going, he just bang. <laughs> he was going all the way. Uh, yeah, it was a tremendous effort. Um, so, you know, after all the battles, great battles of the of the uh, pool games, Ben, if it goes to plan, the quarters could be a bit of a fizzer. Yeah, mate, as I said, the favourites are really starting mm. to come to the fore. And I think um, uh, there'll, be some, there'll be a surprise in there. The way that the World Cup's shaping what, 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 what's your If there's going to be a surprise, which game is going to have the surprise in it? I'll, I'll go with my heart, not my head, mate, and I'll say France. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I mean, the, one, of the, France. one of the greatest games I've ever attended was that, that New Zealand-France game in 99, yeah. um, when it clear the Kiwis were on top thinking they're cruising to a victory, <laughs> and then the French just turned it on like nothing else mm. and ripped their heart out. And I think we saw their heart thumping on the, on the pitch for a couple of hours <laughs> afterwards. But I would absolutely love to see that game turn into a genuine stick genuine stinkathon between those two sides yeah. and I think uh, that might not be a bad thing for New Zealand if they've got to scrap their way through that game because there's some bigger games coming as well in the, in the semi and the final so I'll circle that one just because as I said it might be a, it might be a surprise because the French may decide that uh, something's on mm. something's on and, and also boys I think uh, I think that while South Africa I think uh, you know like the head says South Africa but uh, you know, the heart says, geez, this Wales side, they're, they're absolutely heroic. They're down on troops. Uh, they're still putting in. They're, they're, they're putting their body on the line. And quite quite easily, they, they could surprise this uh, South Africa side who have been reasonably static and haven't really been tested over the past three or four weeks. So uh, Wales battle-hardened. There's an upset there, I reckon. And didn't Wales come out of the gates really well against mm. Australia? Like Australia came into that that game as strong favourites. I thought far too strong favourites. You know, they were I think they were a buck thirty or something, but they came out of the gates so well and so passionately. And Australia, who has you know been priding themselves on that that approach and making sure they're ready and up for it, were on the back foot immediately, and that really set a tone for the game. And the, you know, to the Wallabies' credit, as we've all talked about, they worked their way back into it, and then that defensive period really set the tone for a fantastic World Cup. But Wales, Wales have got something, but you know I, I worry that you know as we talked about, they might start to hit the end of the road. What about uh, what about Will Guinea's service? What did you think of it against Wales? Guinea seems to still be operating in that okay zone. You know, he's he's nowhere near the Guinea from a couple of years ago, um, but there isn't an obvious replacement there in Fibs because he's been a bit worrisome. But Guinea is reliable but not effective. If I can talk about the way that I've talked about Bernard Foley about whether he's a He's a good 5'8", or whether he's an international class 5'8". Guinea is not playing like the international class player that, that he that we know he is, mm. but he is he's doing enough to operate in this in this level at this level. I think there's a lift when Phipps comes up. There's no doubt his service is quicker. And Casho, yes, quickly. No, I, I'm just saying that uh, I agree with Ben wholeheartedly. I think uh, I think Will Guinea has got to be at the, at the front end of the game. But I think Nick Phipps has got to see a lot more game time because uh, 
uh, Will is uh, is probably you know, getting a bit uh, have a look and uh, throw throw a Harbour Bridge uh, every so often. Nick, when he came on this time through, listen, he was he was very disconcerting against England when he came on. But when he came on against Wales, he was certain about uh, where he wanted to be, and I think Bernard Foley operates just a little bit better. Mm. With that little nanosecond that he gets with the uh, with the Nick Phipps service, so it's a hard decision, you know. You know, either way, you know, it's uh, uh, you know, there's pluses and minuses there. So, uh, but stick with what you got. Get experience at the uh, at the front end of the game because it's quite uh, it's a bit more static at the front end, and then uh, bring Phipps on maybe. Maybe at the fiftieth minute to uh, open things up, and then uh, and then then guys like Falau and, and Foley can uh, run around and run All through. Right, mate. So you've got a minute to talk about NRC, and I hear you're making your last minute charge for the finals. That's right. The uh, the mighty Macquarie University North Harbour race still in still in the contest for the uh, for, for for the finals. We need to beat New South Wales Country in Bathurst on the weekend. By 44 points, earn a bonus point, and uh, I think the Stars have got to beat the Melbourne Rising, or the Melbourne Rising have got to beat the Stars, something like that. Some bizarre. The Stars have to align, do they? Circumstances, quite long odds. Listen, if I wasn't involved in the management of the uh, the rugby team, I'd be putting money on it, a lazy ten dollars just to see just to see how the uh, the race went and uh, and obviously uh, clean up like uh, Ben Kimber and others used to do on the Shoot Shield all, all those years ago. But uh, listen, Brisbane City and University of Canberra Vikings, very odds on, I think, to play, play in the final of this National Rugby Championship. But uh, the mighty race, 50-32 to 32 winner over, uh, over Queensland Country yeah. on the weekend at Rat yeah. Park. Lovely afternoon there, probably right, about 1,500 yeah. people. We've got to go, There's a live band after the game. We'll have it. We all had a good time and we spent right, the victory we song, go. which is always Thanks, great. We're losing our connection, mate. Yeah, we are. He held up. Ben Kimber, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Brock. Looking forward to the quarters, <laughs> great, mate. Great, Casho. You can just say goodbye. Please just say goodbye. All right, goodbye. <laughs> we'll see goodbye. you next week. <laughs> for now.